to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. All right, so today we're here with the lovely Steph Wallace. So we're doing a bit of a different podcast episode today. So I've got my interviewer hat on today and we're actually going to talk to Steph about her career as an artist and all the twists and turns that it's taken along the way and also the new classes that she is running. So some of you might not know Steph. I'm actually really good friends with her. She lives in the same town as me in Ballarat. So it's actually kind of a different dynamic today because I'm interviewing her. She's a super talented artist and I first met Steph when I was drawn up to Ballarat to do some screen printing workshops and she had a gallery at the time and she actually saved my bacon that day and offered her space as a place to teach the workshop because the other venue fell through. So we've remained friends since then and we've sort of been through twists and turns in our art career together and we've supported each other. But I wanted to introduce you for those of you that don't know Steph and yeah, share a bit of her story and share what she's working on at the moment. So hi, Steph, over to you. You're in your studio. Hi, Laura. That was such a nice introduction. I had to stop myself from blushing and getting all bashful. Thanks, Laura. It does feel a bit strange being in this situation though because... Mm. I guess we know so much of each other's creative backstories already that it's going to be interesting to like, I don't know, just work with you with that that hat on and mm. like share that story from the beginning, not just what's happening right now. You mm, know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for the people that don't know you, did you want to start like, how did you get into creativity? Like, and yeah, maybe just give a bit of a story about your creative journey. Yeah, I'm one of those kids that was always creative. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Like, I was just so happy if I was like drawing something or making something out of a cardboard box. And I don't have a creative family, but you know, my mom was a primary school teacher. So she always really encouraged that in me. And then fast forward, you know, pursued art all the way through high school is the only thing that I actually liked about school. And then I went on to do a fine art degree specializing in ceramics. And I know I knew at the time that, you know, it was a bit of a silly thing to pursue that whole thing. Like I won't be able to get a real job, but I also knew that it might be my only opportunity in life to pursue what I was passionate about without, you know, pressure of being a real life functioning adult and having people rely on me. So I did the whole art school thing. And then after that, I graduated with a degree in ceramics and was like, what the heck do I do with this? So I feel like I've kind of come full circle because now I'm teaching classes, but that's where I started. I started teaching classes in the US to kids on summer camps, but then I just went on a completely different tangent, explored loads of other mediums and materials. And now 20 years later, I'm back in love with clay and hot and heavy romance. Yeah. Mm. So what do you think, like from teaching the workshops in those summer camps, then what did you venture into? Because I know you have had so many different iterations 
in your career, like when I met you, you were a gallery owner. So from the summer camps, like what did you do next and, and what made you change your mind about ceramics? Oh, it was kind of forced upon me. I mean, one of the reasons that I taught is so I could have access to equipment. And mm. I was like this, you know, student living uh, overseas, this young person living overseas, away from family support, you know, I was just trying to make ends meet, really. So mm. I couldn't invest mm-hmm. in, you know, thousands of dollars to spend on a kiln and all the other equipment that you need. It's like a really expensive pursuit. So I just fell back on the old, the good old staples, you know, like painting and drawing. And I think the time that I met you, on oh, a lot of sewing, a lot of textile mm-hmm. art as well, a lot of, you know, embroidery type stuff. And this was like, Thinking back, this is the era of the, you know, the start of the craft revolution. So, yeah. you know, like that whole shift between craft going from Nana stuff to like an edgy art form. Mm. So I was exploring that. And then the time we met, I was, uh, I'd taken that kind of work, illustrative kind of work into paper cutting. Yeah. Yep, so I was doing paper right. cuts when we met. Yeah. And since then, I just feel like... um you know, I tend not to get locked into a medium. I like to explore something until I feel a sense of mastery and then it becomes a bit less compelling, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and then I need to like, I don't know, I just love learning. So I mm-hmm. shift my mediums and materials all the time. Yeah. So it sounded like it was probably like a practical sort of reason because mm-hmm. of the affordability and also like the access to... Yeah a studio and to the supplies, like that's not something that you could do. So yeah, you just sort of made do with, yeah, whatever was uh, piquing your interest. But yeah, yeah, that's great. So then from when we met from the gallery. um, What was that, like 2011? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's been so many changes as well because you had a child and... You were inside for like the start and the, well, yeah, most of that. For two years. Yeah, I know. So, um, so you started a little uh, business doing tiny furniture as well. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a very common theme for women to talk about going through motherhood and the changes that that brings into their life, you know. But for me, there was a real grieving process, like, I was in my mid-30s when I had my child. Hi guys, it's Roz here. I'm just interrupting this episode to let you know about my Art for the Heart membership, a beautiful community for gorgeous creatives of all abilities. Art for the Heart is designed to reconnect you with yourself through art. It will have you developing your skills, confidence and self-belief too. If you haven't picked up a paintbrush since school, or perhaps you have painted more recently and would like to upskill and connect with other creatives, Art for the Heart is for you. Head on over to www.permissiontopaint.co stroke AFH to find out more. We just had a little break. There was a tech glitch. So we're just going to go back <laughs> on to the train of thought that Steph was talking about being a mother and the grieving process. Yeah. So I think because I was, you know, a fully fledged adult, I was in my mid thirties when I had Holly, my daughter, it meant like I'd like built a life that really suited me and I was really happy with and like you know I was really deep in creativity running a little art gallery you know but I knew that I couldn't sustain that when I had a kid like I'm not the kind of person who 
can juggle all of those things. I'm very all or nothing and I don't have a lot of like capacity to be everything to everyone. So with that self-knowledge, I had to sort of give up my artistic pursuits for quite a while. And I had one of those babies that was just like miserable every second. (laughs) Every second she was awake and she was never asleep. So I guess when she was nearly a year old, I was like, I can't, I can't like sustain being a healthy human without my creativity. You know, that that's when I realized how valuable it was for me and essential to be making something, to be engaging that part of my brain and my hands. So at that point, we'd just been on a trip to England, where I'm from, to see my parents and get them to meet the baby. And we'd been to visit Windsor Castle, where there's this incredibly intricate, huge doll's house. And I loved my doll's house when I was a kid. Like I was one of those dorks who was like still playing with their doll's house when they were like 11 and 12 or something, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think I just, that's where my love of interior design came from or something. Mm. So I was just like captured by this. Like it just really sparked my imagination. And when I came back from England, I sat down at my kitchen table and I started making tiny versions of the furniture that I wish I could have in my real home. You know, I was making like tiny Eames chairs and all the beautiful mid-century furniture that I love. Um, And that just like spiraled. That just went a little bit crazy. So I spent a few years doing that and built a business out of it, which was Mm -hmm. great. I got to, you know, be at home with my kids, care for my mental health. And in those little windows, my creativity also earned me money. And it was also the good old days of Instagram, which I feel is really timely because everyone's whinging about it this week. Yeah. 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 And the good old days of Instagram where you could put something on your feed and like people would actually see it and you could build relationships with people Mm -hmm. knowing that they would consistently see what you were sharing. So I managed to build this very small, but like in many, (laughs) no pun intended, Mm. but small in many ways, little business. But like burnout is quite a common theme for me. Yeah. I know that like you've had health challenges that have interrupted your creative journey so many times. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's a mental health journey. You know, it's a mental Mm -hmm. health interruption. I I reach capacity and I just can't keep moving forward. Yeah. So at that time, I... uh, Oh, is this boring? I feel like I'm just back. No, this is great. This is so interesting. <laughs> this is so interesting. Keep going. I'm sure. No, it's that... my favorite topic. To yeah. About me, so. <laughs> Stop me if it gets boring. <laughs> yeah. So, what happened after that? That's right. You and I started, you were already working as a studio assistant mm. for the artist Susan Nedicate. Yeah. And she was building some more parts of her business out and needed Mm. a bit of extra help. So I started Mm -hmm. working with her and the pair of you were like madly in love with your painting at that Mm. time. Like you were working towards your first exhibition and being immersed in that with you guys just got me longing to pick up a paintbrush. But I have this habit of like, like I say, I love learning new things. Hey, Mm -hmm. so I built this business and I had a lot of fear about like, if I pick up that paintbrush, I am not going to want to make tiny furniture anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to. I remember that. that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I remember you saying you just start something new and then you want to master it and you get like so immersed in it. So yeah, mm. you did. You dived headfirst into yeah. painting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And this was a time for, I guess this was maybe six months pre-pandemic. 
So, you know, I had this, I just let myself do it. I just gave yeah. myself permission in the end. I was like, stop yeah. fighting your creative urges because mm. that's when you get blocked anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like give yourself permission. Yeah. So I went for it and I was loving it. I was just like painting these bright florals with, you know, fluorescent colors and line work and like enjoyed the freedom mm-hmm. switching from the restraints of these, um, tightly controlled, yeah, fiddly works. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so exciting to just like paint a giant piece of canvas hanging on the wall and splash stuff around and mm-hmm. let loose. And so obviously I ended up letting go of the miniatures, which I, I was okay to do. I, yeah. I was radically underpricing. I knew it, mm-hmm. but couldn't quite like find the niche that supported the pricing that I needed. Yeah. So I just... Took a step back. Yeah. But you built like quite a substantial business and an audience. And I remember when you're in that transition phase and you're questioning, you're like, oh, I've built this audience on Instagram and they're following me for the tiny house furniture. How am I going to transition? Like I'm really into painting now. Like it's a different audience. But you obviously got over that and then just did what you loved anyways. And I think like quite a lot of artists really struggle when they're in like a specific niche and they're working on a particular medium and they become known for a like mm. certain style or way of creating. They do worry about like their audience and like whether people are going to respond. But I just love how you've just like followed those urges and just gone with it anyways and made a business out of it because you know, it, you are following that call of the heart and whatever your soul is asking you to like bring forth and express, you're coming from a place of this, I love this, I'm passionate about this, I know that this is going to make me happy, bring me joy and allow you to express yourself in a certain way and that's going to benefit your well-being. Like I oh. love like how you just do it anyways, like you those fears pop up and you've just got this great way and, you know, you go through the process, you talk it through, like we have Mm -hmm. conversations all the time about all the things that we're not sure about. But then like you say something and then the next week we catch up for a walk, like you've already (laughs) taken action. And I'm like, oh my God, Steph, you've just done it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's amazing. Like, I love it. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to recognize that in you because some, like, I'm sure other creatives can relate. Like they get stuck in a lane and they're worried about, you know, veering off and and mm. how that's going to impact their business and, you know, yeah. their reputation and what they're known for. Absolutely. So, I, I just want to speak to that for a minute because, mm. you know, there are a few things that came up as you were talking. And the first is that the industry perpetuates that. Like mm. there's this sense that we've all got to find our style. And then once you've mm. found it, that's it stay there because no one wants anything else yeah and that that's not true that's that's an industry story yeah yeah but also i mean your style is your story and your story remains the same you remain the same like i can spot laura day's work from all the way back in the days where you were doing graphic design and illustration like it is so markedly you that that is a thread that remains current so i think as soon as i understood that but I understood that by looking at other people who'd made major shifts. Mm. And I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. I've told myself a story that I'm not allowed to change. And that's not true. Like, mm-hmm. But also, I would, you say I 
take action quickly. I do. That, that's a coping yeah. method. That's a coping method for me. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Probably some trauma there or something. But I'm able to do that because I have a really amazing support network. Yeah. And I don't take that for granted mm-hmm. um, because there've been times where it's been just me all on my own for years on end, no other creative people around me. Mm-hmm. So I think like, you know, finding those people in your community, whether it's online or in person, mm-hmm. Jesus, a game changer. It's those conversations with you that help me get all my thoughts in order, stop them spinning around like crazy, pin them down sift through them and then I can make change because I'm not Mm. stuck in my head. Yeah. Community is so, 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 so important. So, so, so. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Because this journey takes a lot of guts and courage and determination and there's only so much processing that you can do solo. So we need to reach out to others because they're going to help us to get clarity and like know the direction that you can take. And they're going to offer advice and, you know, maybe some other creators have already walked the path before you. So getting that wisdom and knowledge from them is going to be really invaluable as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's great that you've built that for yourself and allowed yourself to um, have that support. Do you have any advice for people that are just starting out and might not have that creative network yet? My biggest piece of advice is be open to where those people are going to come from because there are people that, you know, I've reached out to in those times that I don't really, I don't know a person. I've never mm, met them. Mm-hmm. Like I just know that they have some wisdom. I'm brave enough to ask if they're willing to share that with me. It might just be like someone who, if he's left a comment on your Instagram post or whatever, or it might be someone whose podcast you listen to, you know, like I had a chat with Ros lately. We've mm. only ever spoken like via little tick-tappity typed messages before, yep. but I had a problem and I was yep. like, I know who might know, yeah, be able to help me with this. Ros, I guess I have a fear of rejection. I'm not saying it's easy to do that, but sometimes just those little connections can actually give you big leaps you know? And then the other thing is in-person connection. I mean, we've lent on the internet for so long, hey, because we're all stuck inside our little homes. But the reality is that whether it's like a local artist group or, you know, going to an open studio or taking a class, whatever, like the people that you meet in real life can often propel you forward so much more than you expect. Hey, Like if you haven't stumbled into my guest, stumbled, that's a bit harsh. If you had come into my tiny little gallery that day going, things are falling apart. I've got no venue, but I've got this class. Can you Mm -hmm. help me? Like, then I wouldn't have been able to do what I did yesterday by getting over an emotional hurdle with your support. Like things just pan out in such a strange way, hey? Yeah. And from that one person, you connected me to all of the creative networks in Ballarat. So, you, you know, you were already immersed in the community and active in the creative community here. And because I was moving from Melbourne to Ballarat, I didn't know anyone. So you just got to make that key contact and then that will just open up a whole world. And then that's going to help you in your business for referrals or, you know, just being yeah. able to... But also help you in your practice. Yeah. Like help you get better at what you do because when you've got trusted people around you, 
you feel safe and asking for their feedback creatively, geez, it's, it's a huge difference, isn't it? Like, yeah, it can just get you over those blocks or those creative humps mm-hmm. so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'd like to switch gears because I'd like to start to talk about your classes that you're offering. Mm-hmm. So you've come back. So from painting, we've transitioned mm-hmm. back to what you studied and what you're mm-hmm. specialized in. And you've gone back to your ceramic roots. So I have. One, yeah. Mm, I have. Um, and it once again, accidentally, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, the story is, has the same elements to it of, you know, burnout, mental health challenges, you know, a really hard time came for me. Not when we were, I mean, like Melbourne, the area where we live is like, was the most lockdown in the world, just to frame that. Mm. So I was being like primary carer, educator, trying to run a business for so long that I just like really got so frazzled. I just could, I couldn't really function. But that got triggered for me, not in that time, but after that time when everyone started like living life again, this is yep. pre-Christmas too. So it's like going from zero to a hundred where everybody's rushing around and looks so excited to be able to celebrate together and go on holidays because it's summer here. and like. I was just like shell-shocked. Like, I can't do this. Like, I am still traumatized. I just need to like be still and be quiet and just process what's happened, you know? And the thing that got me through that was my pottery wheel. And I don't know if anyone's ever played with that before, but it is one of those processes that it only really works for you when you're in the zone. And when you're in the zone, it's this mindful place where you're not thinking, you're just feeling. And just sitting there and like not thinking about making work to sell, not worrying about what people think of this or whether I had to share this or create flipping content out of it. I just sat there and played with clay for like two months. I made no money. I was just hollow shell, but I led into it. And it, it not only got me through but it taught me some really valuable skills to have in my toolbox next time that crash occurs. Cause we all have them. Hey, like they're inevitable. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So I guess what that led me to do was fall back in love. Remember why I was so passionate about this in the first place, because I have a bit of like fine art school trauma. I think, you know, I know I you can do. Relate. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Mm-hmm. It was not for me, mm-hmm. uh, that, that place and that space. Mm-hmm. But it allowed me to like heal that a bit and recognize that who I am and what I do is valid. And more importantly, I can share that with other people because I'm so knowledgeable about it, yeah? So that was a bit of a turning point for me. And I want to thank the great Pottery Throwdown, the TV show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> recognize that. There's like a, you know, something I noticed today floating around in the audio of uh, Brad Pitt talking about that show and how he's obsessed with it, watched every season, like it's so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. It reminded me not only that I'm highly skilled, but what incredible the community exists in that space Mm -hmm. and how supportive and encouraging and nurturing it can be when you work with clay. I know that you had a learning journey with art therapy and I would say that you know, playing with mud is the most therapeutic oh, yeah. art there is. Like, oh, honestly, like, I feel like, yeah, it's it's from the earth. So yeah. I can imagine it being like so grounding. Mm-hmm. And I always say like any art practice, it is therapeutic. And art is active meditation. 
because it takes you into that place. It quiets the mind. But, yeah, it allows you to, like, do something active, like, with your hands and, like, get into the zone. And so for the people that do struggle with, like, conventional meditation, sitting still on a cushion and, like, breathing and everything. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah, if if you can't get into that, then then Mm -hmm. art is a really great alternative for Mm -hmm. people that need to be, you know, in in it with their hands and like have have that sort of immersive experience Mm -hmm. yeah and something you speak about quite frequently is how through your health challenges you found your art processes to you know help you through that Mm -hmm. and I've never really experienced that until now and I'm like yeah now I get it now I get it like my husband will say to me if I'm in a grump he'll say to me can you just go to your studio play (laughs) with some clay come back and talk to me then. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Like, I need that. Thanks for thanks <laughs> giving me the permission. But that's what I need because mm. I do find it very hard to shut off the analytical voices, you know, like the bit of my brain that wants to solve all the problems and juggle all the things. But, you know, there's something particularly about clay that it's a bit like breathing and walking where the more you think about it, the weirder it feels. And then you become like weirdly self-aware and forget to walk. Has anyone ever done that? Like, mm. it's just me. Okay. It's the same with clay. If you think about it too hard, if you're fighting the material, it doesn't go to plan. You, ha- you have to let go. You have to release. Yeah. And that, you know, that's really healing for me. Yeah. Giving myself permission to release control. Because yeah. I have a problem there. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little control problem. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I guess like you were asking me about the classes and I'm going on this mm. silly tangent, but I guess the core of it is knowing I have all this skill and knowledge, knowing that, you know, I am a good teacher, I feel weird saying that, but I'm a good teacher. Like mm. my, my jobs to sustain me when my creativity couldn't have been working in a teaching space, mm. whether it's been at the uni on school camps and summer camps, uh, after school camp, whatever. It's been working with people, helping them develop their skills. And I love it. It's so exciting. And like being able to share my experiences and what Clay has done for me with other people and seeing them just like light up when Mm. they find the process that just like feels so good in their mind and body and hands. I'm like, wow, like I just want to do so much more of this. Yeah. I want to be with humans more, please. Mm, Yeah. I think coming out of COVID, there is that desire to get back and really connect in person with people. Mm. And so you've recently just set up your space, which is behind Mm. you. And so that's at your house in Ballarat. So you're opened up your space for workshops. So like how many people can you have in this space and like what sort of offerings do you have at the moment? Yeah. I reckon like Six is my favorite number, not mm-hmm. just because of the space, but energetically. Like it's not a huge space. It's an old garage that I've um, converted. We've talked about space, you and I personally, quite a lot because I struggled with this. Do you remember? I was like, is it good enough? Like, do I need to get like a commercial space? Do I need to work with somebody else? And I just came to the place of like, nah, you know what? Like what I've got is good enough. Yeah, it's great. I'll always be seeking better because that's human nature, hey? Grass is Mm. always greener. But seeing what you've done with your studio too, which is a similar type of space, 
I thought, no, what am I worried about? Like, Laura can do it. That's amazing. I love that. I can just do that too. So, yeah, so I have six people in here. I teach a few different styles of classes. You know, I have ongoing courses for people who live fairly locally. I also um, teach tiny pottery workshops at the moment, which is a whole other random thing, but it's making teeny tiny pots on a teeny tiny potter's wheel. So you're bringing in like a little bit of the influence from your tiny mm, furniture days there. Um, That sounds like a super fun workshop to you. It is. And and it's one of those, the reason I like it is, you know, people take the potter's wheel home with them after the class Mm. and it's, it is a way of working with clay you can do in a kitchen table. Mm. Like it's, you don't need all the gear. Hey, you just make this tiny pot and then they can bring it back to me and I'll fire that. I'll just stick it in the kill. Like it's this flipping big. I'll just pop mm. it inside something else, you know. But it's like that accessibility is important to me. You know, during the pandemic, people went crazy for clay, but ultimately a lot of people have given it up because A, it's hard. B, it's very technical on a lot of levels. And I think that like, just being able to support people through that and take away some of those barriers has been really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is a bit of an expense to like have it as an ongoing hobby, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so is it mainly adults that come to you? Like is it women? Yeah, I I love doing adults plus. Yes, Mm. it's women. I Mm. see where you're Mm -hmm. leading me in this conversation (laughs) and I really love it. It's women Mm. and it's women Mm -hmm. who... Often in either in their life or in their job are in caring roles for yep. other people. And they just want to do something for themselves. They have spent a long time looking after others. Many of them are women in their 40s and 50s who have children who are becoming adults or are adults. And also I'm hearing a common thread where they were told they were always creative, but they were told that that was not a job. And maybe they were right then. I don't know. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe we're the fools. No, we've listen. made jobs out of this. <laughs> yeah, we've made maybe our Maybe we're jobs. the crazy ones that just <laughs> went ahead with it anyway. That's right. <laughs> you know, and now they're coming full circle. They're like, hang on a minute. I don't need to listen to those people anymore. Yep. Those voices, those stories, that inner critic isn't true, isn't real. Yeah. Um, so they're revisiting that part of themselves. And it's so fulfilling to, for me mm-hmm. to just like, you know, watch them rediscover that. Yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah, in my work, I've seen that, yeah, that women often just take a different path and they, you know, slip into what society sees as a sensible career or, Mm. you know, they are like giving so much to others and then they just deny that call within themselves. But then with the pandemic and when we experience great challenges in our lives, whether it's a health challenge or we've all been through trauma with this pandemic. It's been, it's, it's cracked so many people open. Mm. Mental health is like just soaring. Like, and when we're coming out of that and we're wanting to um, build strategies to support ourselves, you sort of see things from a different perspective as well, going through that trauma. And it's like, well, why have I denied doing things that bring me joy. Like why am I missing out and why am I giving to all these Mm -hmm. other people and I'm not giving to myself? And that's what I love about, yeah, opening up workshops and creating space for people to honour themselves, honour those desires and things like that. So, yeah, I I love that like we're on this journey together, you know, offering this for people to experience. Oh, Laura, you're giving me chills. 
like, oh, the way you just find that, I'm like, yes, like, preach, Laura, yes, yes, like, processing collective trauma, women giving ourselves permission to do what we really care about and what's really important to us, hey? Like, I just, I love it. It really, really excites me. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I don't know uh, what we're talking about now because I'm no, yeah. And that was a, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a really good chat today, Steph. Just one other thing I wanted to ask you, mm. maybe if we've got some listeners that are creative and they're building a space or if mm. they're setting their sights on teaching workshops in community centre or an external space, they want to provide this for their community. Do you have any advice for anyone setting up you know, their workshops? Yeah, well, look, I have a little bit of what I call mindset advice. I think there's a lot of talk in the internet coaching space, particularly around setting yourself up to be an expert in something. You know, this concept of like, you're the pro and you're the guru, and that's why people want to work with you. Well, I'm going to bust that myth because I I think that's not true. I used to roller skate and I went and like would train with the ro- local roller derby team. And I'm terrible at roller derby, eh? I'm not rough and tumble. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want to wear cute costume pretty much. <laughs> right? So what I, my role within that became teaching the beginners to skate. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is where I shine because mm. it took me bloody ages to learn. Like yeah. I was not a natural, hey. So I could understand all the challenges that these people were experiencing and I could be encouraging and offer specific tailored advice to that stage of the experience, Mm -hmm. right? So that helped me really understand that the best teachers are sometimes only one or two steps ahead of their students Yeah, because they can really resonate with what it's like to be a beginner in a way that an expert can't. So I think like particularly as women, we can often experience imposter syndrome Combined Mm -hmm. with that talk of being the expert, being the guru, setting yourself up to be the go-to person, it's like, no, embrace your vulnerabilities. Talk about what's difficult for you because it just makes you so much more, like people can just relate to you so much more and it makes you a better teacher. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you have a space that you think is daggy, like even if if you got your spare room or your dining table and you feel like you're not good enough to teach others, really look into that, really look at that and examine those feelings because Mm. I had to do that even with all this knowledge. And I I realized that I told myself some silly stories there, that we we all have something to teach other people, you know, particularly someone who's just starting out on the journey, even if you're only two steps ahead. Even if you've been doing it for a year, who cares? Like Mm -hmm. if you're passionate and you're excited and you're good at communicating Mm -hmm. to other people about what you know, that's all you need. And I think it's about just starting, like do a little trial group with your friends or like a few people. And then, you know, you just modify it as you go. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you can set your sights on something bigger later down the track. But yeah, I Mm -hmm. think it's just the small steps that matter. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Well, that was a really good chat today, Steph. I think I learned a few new extra things about you. Um, (laughs) 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 yeah I really appreciate you coming and chatting with us today so where can people find you if they're not connected with you already I have a website stephwallaceart.com and I am stephwallaceart on Instagram and those are the main places that I live and I love it when people send me dms just Mm -hmm. little messages just to say hello or shoot me an email 
And all of my classes are listed on Eventbrite as well as on my website. So if you are, you know, somewhere within our locale, I'd love to meet you in person. Yeah, cool. All right, then. Well, you have a good day. And thanks for chatting with us today, Steph. No worries. See you later, Laura. Bye. Bye.